Rodgers in trouble. Looking. Ball knocked out. Recovered underneath with no time left by Green Bay. And the Giants come from behind and knock off the Packers 27-22. to 22. New York is now 4-1 with a stunner in London. There's games like this where a defense is not going to be up to their normal standards, and we got to pick them up. We had chances, a lot of chances. So definitely the offense, uh, this one will weigh heavy on us on this fight back. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Yeah, this is the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to talk sports tonight. Uh, a lot of sports, football, you know, trenches, uh, slot wide receivers, you know, the A gap, all that stuff. I just got to say, there's been something trending on Twitter all day today. And if you've been on Twitter for more than 30 seconds today, you would have seen it. Uh, $28 of Taco Bell is trending because I guess this guy who I don't know went on Fox Business and was talking about how bad inflation is. And the example he used is that he went to have a nice lunch at Taco Bell, his words, he did this yesterday, and it cost him about $28. (laughs) I So, look, inflation is bad. There ain't no way. There ain't ain't no way that this man went to Taco Bell by himself and got $28 worth of food. You'd have to eat... Double-digit number of tacos. So you're talking about your value items, like your crunchy beef taco, your spicy potato soft taco, your chicken enchilada, right? Like all of the dollar items. You'd have to eat so many of those, or you would like actually have to eat like six quesaritos or chalupas. Then you're getting into supreme items, right? Everyone knows when you go to Taco Bell, you construct your order around some combination of supreme items and value items. You need a combination of both. I, when I go to Taco Bell, like to base my order, the meat and potatoes, sometimes literally on my order, is a value items. I'm going to get two to three dollar menu items to build a base. That way I'm not walking away hungry after the meal. I got I got plenty of, of quantity, but you also need a little quality. You got to get a cheesy gordita crunch or a Crunchwrap Supreme. These are the items that are running you a little bit more, four, five, six bucks more if you get the meal, which you should never do economically speaking because it's just not an efficient way to spend your money. I don't know how I would spend $28 at Taco Bell. I don't think it's possible. Like, I used to joke in college with my buddies, and granted, inflation wasn't as bad in college. I don't know. I don't pay attention to inflation. I don't even know how much gas costs most of the time. But when we would go to Taco Bell in college, I'd say, man, I really went off. I spent 8 bucks, 9 bucks, And everyone would be like, man, what? You went off? Yeah. Ain't no way that this guy who was on Fox Business today spent $28 at Taco Bell for lunch yesterday. I've been thinking about it. Since I saw this video on Twitter, I see that the viral video was posted about four hours ago. There ain't no way. There's no way that one man, a mere mortal man, could go to Taco Bell and eat $28 worth of food. It's just not possible. So I just had to say that from the jump today. I know inflation is bad, but ain't no way. No way. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. That was our Talking Taco Bell segment that we do uh, every Wednesday. Now, outside of... Taco Bell. They do have a lot of different sports topics that I want to hit today between the Packers. A little bit on the Brewers. Not a lot. Maybe we'll get into the Badgers if it comes up organically. It's that kind of week. I'm not opposed to talking Badgers, but I'm not going to force it. If you want to call in, you have something that you want to discuss. Hey, 
I'm here for you. Uh, but I have a couple of Packers things I want to hit today. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur. We are going to bring back uh, a fan favorite segment. Not, it's not actually a fan favorite because we almost never do it. But Slow News Wednesday, where we break down an article or a podcast or something. Ben Solak at The Ringer put out an awesome Packers piece earlier today about the Packers' struggles on defense and why those struggles are happening. It's really good. And he also talked about the offense, why the offense is struggling. I think Packers fans, just from watching Aaron Rodgers for a long time, first with McCarthy, now with Matt LaFleur, I think we have a pretty good idea of why this offense is struggling. I don't know that I need to hit you over the head with statistics, numbers, and evidence. We can just eye test this as Packers fans. We know what Rodgers looks like when he's playing well, and we know the red flags when he's playing poorly, as we talked a little bit about yesterday. So I don't want to hammer the Packers offense today. I do want to talk about Matt LaFleur, but at 430, I'm going to read you a couple of really interesting stats from Ben Solak's piece earlier today. He writes for The Ringer. He's on The Ringer NFL show throughout the week. He's really good. I sometimes hear him on Bill Simmons' pod and other places. So I have a couple of stats I want to share with you at 430. At 550, in case this is something up your alley, just bookmark this. You can go back and find it in the pod maybe later this week if if you're not going to be listening towards 6 o'clock. I'm going to give you my starting five of Wisconsin bodies of water. I was up north. I was on vacation this weekend. Little trip uh, up to the Northwoods to do some fishing and hiking and camping. And I camped outside for two nights and it was cold as balls, which is why I sound terrible and I have a cough and I need to clear my throat. And on my drive back down to La Crosse, I, for the first time in my life, drove past Lake Pepin. And I'd never seen Lake Pepin before. And this changed my worldview. I said, I I need to reevaluate my top bodies of water in the state because I thought my, my power rankings were pretty much set. Oh, no. My world was shattered on Monday. I posted a video at Wisco Grant. So 550, I've organized my starting five, my top five uh, Wisconsin bodies of water. We're going to do that just for fun at 550. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And you can can tweet me, like I said, at Wisco Grant. Allow me five minutes at the start of the show uh, to talk briefly about the Brewers and about the Major League Baseball playoffs. First, in case you didn't hear me say this yesterday, I'm upset at the Brewers because they didn't live stream David Stern's press conference yesterday. It's 2022. Everyone's streaming everything all of the time. Set up a tripod. Join the, the, the modern world, Milwaukee Brewers. Like, figure it out. It's not hard. Just set up, a, set up an iPhone, for God's sake. It'd be better than nothing. So I was upset yesterday about that. Here's the nugget. Here's the, the comment we all wanted from David Stern's about the Josh Hader trade. We don't get we don't get do-overs um, in, in this position. Um, you know, l- looking back, I remain very excited about the young talent we have in the organization. I also recognize that we went into a trade deadline um, in playoff position and we didn't make the playoffs. Um, and when that happens, you have to look back um, and say, what more could we have done? What different could we have done um the hater trade had uh, clearly had an impact on the team um it, it had a, a a more pronounced impact um than i thought it would at the time um and the surrounding moves didn't adequately um didn't adequately fortify the team in josh's absence no kidding uh, we knew that i i was not tuning in or trying to tune in to David Stern's presser yesterday to hear him say that. We knew that. I just wanted to hear what David Stern's had to say about the season, and yet the Brewers made that impossible because they didn't live stream it. Now, Bally Sports Wisconsin tweeted out a bunch of clips, but it seems like more work to record it, edit it, and then tweet individual clips. Just just stream the whole thing on your website. That's what the Packers would do. That's what the Bucks would do. That's what any serious sports franchise would do. 
over the last couple months, maybe we've learned that the Brewers aren't so serious. So there's David Stearns yesterday. I was watching some of the, the playoff games yesterday. I watched a little bit of the Phillies, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Phillies fan on the, on behalf of Ben Kenny. I want to see the Phillies do well. I also want to see the Padres win because it'll make the Brewers look really stupid. So I'm cheering for the Padres. And I was watching a little bit last night. Dodgers, Padres. Plus, it was on at like 11. And I just love when sports are on late at night. That's why I watch the Sacramento Kings. Because they're on. Right? Because it's an option. So I was watching Dodgers, Padres last night. And I'm cheering for the Padres. The baseball playoffs are so stupid. Okay? Like, I, I'm just going to come out and say, I don't like the baseball playoffs. And the, oh, the environment is electric and the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the atmosphere is great. But from a conceptual standpoint, the baseball playoffs suck. Okay? The Mets won 100 games, and they were bounced in a, in a Monday to Wednesday stretch in three days before we even knew the playoffs were starting. The Mets were done because Max Scherzer had one rough outing. That's stupid. That's dumb. Last night, I'm watching Dodgers Padres, and the broadcasters on Fox, and I don't remember who they were. I thought they were doing a good job. We're talking about Dave Roberts and his management style and how he's used his pitching in the past. And I don't remember the exact stat, so I'll, I'll paraphrase. It was something along the lines of, in all of the dozens of playoff games that Dave Roberts has managed with the Dodgers, he's almost never let his starting pitcher go more than six innings. Never. Which is saying something because he has elite arms. He's had Kershaw, and they had Scherzer last year, and he's had plenty of great arms right over the years. The Dodgers have money. They can go get these big names. So it's not like Dave Roberts has been throwing out Yolisha Seen, Wade Miley, and Gio Gonzalez, a la Craig Council in 2018. He's got all these elite arms. Never, never more than six innings. Right, And I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, God, the baseball playoffs are so stupid. The goal of a manager, and I don't blame managers for, for this, almost has to be to get the starter in, get through five without catastrophe, and then get the starter out. Right? Because a seven-inning, one-run outing is great. But it doesn't really guarantee you much in 2022. Pitchers have great outings all the time, and it doesn't mean anything to their team. If you need an example... Uh, open up your sports dictionary. See Brewers, comma, Milwaukee. How many times this year did they have Burns or Woodruff go seven innings shutout and then they still lost the game, right? The goal for a manager in the baseball playoffs is to avoid catastrophe, not achieve excellence, right? A manager is perfectly content with two runs, five or six innings. Just don't melt down on the mound, right? The goal for a manager is to just avoid catastrophe, not achieve excellence. That's lame, Right, because one bad outing screws a team for an entire series, and it's stupid, and it sucks. Lame sport. I don't care about the baseball playoffs outside of my Brewers. Now, that being said, I will be watching them, uh, but I'm not, I'm not happy about it. So that is uh, after we talk Taco Bell. That is uh, talking baseball. Very well-rounded Wisco sports show today. Let's talk about the Packers. All right, let's shift to this. Let's talk about Matt LaFleur and the state of the Packers through five games. I think the Packers are lucky to be three and two. There's a very realistic world in which they're two and three, and there's a not so unrealistic world in which the Packers are one and four. You know, we we drag the Raiders for being one and four. The Packers could easily be one and four if they give up that two point conversion to the Bucks. That's a loss. Or if they like, if Bill Belichick just goes for it in overtime at midfield uh, two weeks ago with Bailey Zappi, the Patriots probably win that game. The Packers are lucky at this point to be three and two. Now I'm not overreacting. I want to make that very clear. I'm not panicking about the Packers. I'm not freaking out. I had a coworker talking smack to me yesterday. He's a Vikings fan. I said, buddy, like, you know the Packers are going to win the division. And he's laughing at me. I said, I'm not, I'm telling you, just save yourself a lot of time. The Packers are winning this division. 
It's inevitable, okay? I'm not overreacting to a 3-2 and two start or a start, like I said, that, that could be worse than 3-2. and two. Listen to my voice. Very calm, cool, collected, <laughs> a little bit under the weather, right? But do I sound like I'm freaking out? Do I sound like I'm panicking? No. We said over and over and over again in training camp, oh, the Packers offense, they'll, they'll probably struggle early. There'll be some ugly moments early on in the season. Like We predicted this. We knew this is coming. So we can't now freak out when the offense goes through growing pains and when it's clunky and when it's not great, right? We knew this was coming. So calm down, relax. I'm not losing it. However, however, I think the next three weeks, a matchup with the Jets, with the Commanders, and with the Bills, I think the next three weeks may represent the most important stretch of Matt LaFleur's very young, albeit, coaching career. I think that this next month or so is Matt LaFleur's career. I'm not saying if he has a bad stretch, his career will be over, or, or if he has a good stretch, he'll you know guarantee Hall of Famer multiple Super Bowls. I'm not saying that, but throughout his young career so far, if you look 2019, okay, him and Rodgers getting to know each other, 2020, 2021, I think this is the most important stretch of Matt LaFleur's young career. Think about everything going on with this team, okay? Joe Barry is mismanaging the talent on his defense. I... Like uh, like my favorite movie, the other guys. He's he's mismanaging his defense, like the investment broker David Urshan with Lendl Global. We're in everything, right? Just losing billions, hands over fist, mismanaging all that money. Joe Barry has been handed a treasure trove of high round, uh, high draft picks and and high price free agents. He's not doing anything with them. So Matt Lafleur's got to deal with that at this moment. He's got to deal with Aaron Rodgers, who just doesn't look in sync with everyone else. This is as poorly as Rodgers has played under Matt Lafleur, and this is as bad as he's looked since 2018, the year that ultimately got Mike McCarthy fired. I'm not saying Rodgers is washed. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm saying this is as bad as Rodgers has played under Matt Lafleur. It looks like 2018, throwing the ball out of bounds, taking deep shots that don't have a hope or a prayer, missing open guys. He's just not in sync, right? Week by week, there is somehow growing uncertainty about the offensive line. Like David Bakhtiari, we, we think he's getting better and he's almost there, then he's getting worse. Why is Royce Newman still out there? Isn't Zach Tom one of the best five? Is Elton Jenkins your right tackle? Or what do you do with Yash Nyman? Like, we can't get the offensive line figured out. That falls under the umbrella of Matt LaFleur's responsibility. And we got Rasul Douglas bitching about going to London. Jair Alexander making a comment in the locker room and then Aaron Rodgers calling out that comment at the podium and it's just... There's a lot of mess right now, okay? There's a million different things going on with the Packers, with the defense, the offense, the 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 the, the, the kind of connectivity in the locker room. Just It's not working right now. We need a moment from Matt LaFleur. We need something. We need a head on a spike. We, we need a head to roll. We need a defining moment in a meeting or in a practice. We need Matt LaFleur to pull something out of his butt and reaffirm to his team and to his inferiors and to his coordinators that he is the man, the Packers are that team, and we're going to be okay, okay? He needs to get this train back onto the tracks. The train, to be fair, not off the tracks, but, it, you know, it's leaning, it's listing, it's like, oh, rocking back and forth. Matt LaFleur needs to have a moment this week and get things kind of back under control. You know, I, I got this tweeted at me, at Wisco Grant, the other night by Tom, and at first I laughed it off, but now I kind of love this. This is what he tweeted at me. Uh, we were going back and forth about Matt LaFleur, and about how he didn't have a great week leading into London. And Tom tweeted, he could have sent a message before the game by leaving Douglas in Green Bay. If a guy says he doesn't want to make the trip, don't take him. And I read that. I said, that's dumb. But actually, 
<laughs> that would that would be a great moment, I think. I think that would, I think, now I don't know how, what that would do between him and Rasul Douglas, a guy they just paid a bunch of money to, but something like that, a moment, right? You, you read that idea, leave Rasul Douglas in Green Bay, don't take him to London. You read that and you laugh, but oh, I don't hate it. I actually don't hate it. Or something like that. We need a moment from Matt LaFleur this week as things by no means are spiraling out of control again. But there's a lot going on with this Packers team, and Matt LaFleur needs to get his house in order. He needs a moment this week. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant, Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills slow news wednesday coming up i want to give you some highlights from a really good piece that ben solak put out the ringer came out this morning i actually had a listener email me today with the link and he's like grant you should read this for the show tonight and i responded to the listener i said no way i'm i'm actually taking notes on it right now i read it this morning it's like oh we're gonna have to do this tonight and i was sitting at my desk like copy and pasting some stats, kind of getting things organized. And I got an email. It's like, you should talk about this article tonight. I said, hey, don't worry. We already are. Perfect. 430. Make sure you're tuned in. 608-796-2558. Uh, Jason on Lower Tainer Lake. This is an excellent question, Jason. He says, I'm wondering when we're going to have the NBA lounge and preview the Bucks. I'm thinking Friday. Because I was talking to our friend, uh, Justin Garcia, I was going to say Justin Jackstraw Garcia because I like making annoying nicknames for him because I know he hates it. Uh, Justin Tennessee Jed Garcia, he loves that song. Uh, because I think I'm going to record something with him tomorrow. I want to do a Bucks preview with Justin and then do some bigger picture NBA kind of before the season starts things. And I'm thinking we record that tomorrow and do it Friday. I know I've been talking about a Bucks preview for like two weeks. I think on Friday. That is my preliminary answer for you, Jason. Uh, I... I appreciate the text. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. Now we have some gifts from the other guys coming in. Love that. Great film. Excellent film. Uh, one of the best, maybe the best uh, ever. We're talking about Matt LaFleur, right? And how this offense hasn't been great, but you know that. There's also other parts of this team, like Joe Barry. I don't know what he's doing. Does Joe Barry know that he has good players? Should, should Someone should tell Joe Barry that he has good players, talented players. Right, and we have these weird crossed wires in the locker room. Aaron Rodgers is calling out Jair Alexander, and Rasul Douglas is saying, oh, "I don't want to go play in London." And then Rasul Douglas, interestingly enough, just plays one of the worst games I've ever seen him play as a Packer on Sunday. A bunch of dumb penalties, and you know, one was on third down, one reversed a, a strip sack play that would have got the Packers the ball back. So there's just a lot that Malifor has to deal with right now. But at his core. He is an offensive-minded head coach. He is the de facto offensive coordinator for this team and the play caller. One part about this offense that's just been so bad is the deep passing game. The deep passing game. If I was really obnoxious, I'd say the the much maligned deep passing game. Uh, but I'm, I'm not annoying. I'm not a jerk like that, so I won't say that. Rodgers cannot buy a completion deep down the field. He was 0 of 6 on Sunday, as we talked about. That's the worst he's been in a game since week 5 of 2016. He just can't hit a deep shot. And Rodgers keeps saying after the game and in his presser, and I didn't watch his presser today. I'll probably watch it when I'm home tonight because I'll need something else to entertain myself. If I'm watching playoff baseball, I need something else to watch while I watch playoff baseball. I'll watch Rodgers' presser. Didn't get to it today. Sorry. 
but I've heard as a theme anytime he speaks to the media, well, we, you know, we need to keep pushing the ball down the field. We need to keep taking shots, and we're going to keep taking shots. Do we, though? Do we need to continue to push the ball down the field? Do we? Do we really need to, Aaron? Do we, do we have to? I don't think so. We're trying to build up the confidence of these young guys. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, you know, if he ever feels like playing. <laughs> yeah, that, there it is, week five. We're getting frustrated with the rookie for being hurt. There you go. Only took a couple of weeks. We're trying to build up these young players' confidence, right? Then give them easier chances to make plays. This is what drove me nuts about MVS for years. I think MVS is the most drastically underused player or, or poorly used or misused player the Packers have had in a long time. A lot of Packers fans these days, man, they're just they're misusing Amari Rodgers. No, they're not. Amari Rodgers sucks. Otherwise, he would have a role in some way in the offense. Amari Rodgers is not being misused. MVS is being misused. They just send him deep every play. No wonder he drop passes. It's really hard to catch deep balls. Maybe let him do something else for a change. Right? It's the same thing with these young guys. Give them some layups. Give them easier chances. Don't make them contort their body and go back shoulder and, and toe tap along the sideline. Just, just give them something easy. It doesn't have to be 30, 40 yards down the field. Hector's in on Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? Well, you took my point, Grant, just oh, now. I was going to say the reason you can't do anything down the field is because you got rid of your best player in NBS. Um, now he's catching deep balls from uh, Mahomes. He looks pretty good in a, in Kansas City, which goes to show how you just use them the right way, and they're actually decent players. But um, Yeah, because they're, the, they're not just sending him on a fly route every single play. They're giving him some underneath stuff. Exactly. They're, giving, they're giving him opportunities to just catch the ball and get in a rhythm, which the Packers never did. You would think that if he can't figure it out deep, but he's got the speed and that's what you need him for, mm-hmm. set him on a mid-route. Why can't you have a 10 and out or, you know, something like that instead of, oh, here you go, fly down the field, and we're going to throw it to you. If you don't catch it, guess what? You're not getting the ball again for the rest of the game. And that, I mean, regardless of if they're a young player or not, that's tough to hear and tough to be, you know, around. So I don't blame him. <laughs> he can run with the ball in his hands. He's fast. Get the ball in his hands, and then he can run with it. And they just never did that with MVS. But we're not, we're not here to litigate MVS, although I guess that's what you called yeah, the invention, right. so I'm glad your, your timing is perfect. What else you got today, Hector? Well, that, that, yeah, that was one of my points. I forget. Who's filled in for you on Mondays? Ben Kenny. Ben Kenny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't like my comments, I guess, but I had called in and said that the Packers have a boring way of playing offense. Okay. And I stand by it. Right. And... The, the, my reasoning for that is you see this new style of football that most people play, and the Packers don't do that. They don't have trick plays where the tight end might throw it to the running back or they run it in like the Giants did to them. They don't have uh, Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon lining up in the shotgun uh, to take a wild card or a wild card, a wildcat. Same thing. Play. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine. A.J. Dillon lining up under center when it's fourth and three or fourth and two like they did on Sunday, like they were under, you know, scrutiny for on Sunday. Like if A.J. Dillon was lined up under center, even Aaron Jones on the, that third and two, they're getting those two yards every time. Yeah. The, the Packers got to figure out a different way to do it because although they may not want to do the quote-unquote new 
her style of football. You got a lot of young guys that are really good that would thrive in that kind of an offense, in my opinion. Um, also, Rodgers just needs to take a book out of good old Marky Mark's uh, page out of his book and tell LaFleur that he's a peacock and you got to let him fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, thank you for the other guy's reference. Look, you talk about how this offense is boring. You know, boring, entertaining, whatever. I, I just think in 2022, there, there are fewer rules on offense than ever before, right, Hector? You can line up anyone, right. anywhere. You Like, we don't pigeonhole wide receivers as slot guys or as perimeter guys. You can line up a running back at wide receiver. You can put a wide receiver in the backfield. Like, Aaron Jones is great, and I like Randall Cobb, and I like Lazard. Like, they have players I like. There are no rules on how we get these guys the ball. So you mentioned the Wildcat. I don't know if the Wildcat would work, but, you know, we can think outside the box because in 2022, like, it's more positionless than ever before. Just get your playmakers the ball, and they're not doing that. Exactly. Devo Samuel is the best example of it. He's a a wide receiver, but the way that he's built, he could easily step into the backfield and be a running back. So they're like, oh, well, why don't you just do a little bit of both? And he's successful for it, you know, and – Having a player like that for the Packers would be a difference maker, but it just there needs to be some kind of change. And when you have a QB like Rodgers, who is kind of a diva and cemented in his ways, so to speak, that's going to be difficult, but stubborn, right? But handing him the reins a little bit more freely and, you know, would be better, I think, for Rodgers. You know, let him call the plays. And of course, he has the last say on it. So he could call an audible at the line. He could do stuff like that. So I think with all the complaining that I hear, and, like, he never outright complains in his comments and pressers and stuff like that, but you can tell that he's not completely satisfied with his, you know, offense. And that's what the thing is. It's what it boils down to is it's his offense, and he needs to take some control and responsibility for it. I think he'll take control whenever he wants. And Hector, I appreciate the call. Have an awesome night. Rogers is not opposed to audibling and, and controlling things. I, I don't I don't know. Let Rogers call the play. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like Matt LaFleur's got to put his foot down and say, hey, every time you you change this play, we're taking a touch away from this guy. We're, we're hurting this design. I, I don't know. Maybe the process needs to be more collaborative. I don't want this this process between Rodgers and LaFleur to feel like LaFleur comes up with a game plan and then is forcing it on Rodgers. That's not what it should feel like. Like, I want Rodgers and him to put together the game plan as a unit. That way, when they go into the game, right, there's not so much dissension play to play on what they want to do. I don't know what their process is like. I'm sure there's plenty of collaboration in the week, but all interesting points, Hector. And I like what you said about boring. Maybe boring's the wrong word, but there are no rules, Right. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, you have a million different ways. Create a way. Create a whole new package to get this guy the ball. Line him up wherever you want. There are no rules anymore. It's 2022. It's all about getting your best player the ball on offense, no matter where you have to line him up. There are no rules anymore. So get inventive. Have fun. Do things that we've never seen an Aaron Rodgers Packers offense do before. Right? Because ultimately, this offense is built. The personnel is different than we've ever seen before. So it should take a different approach. Let's take a break. We're going to do Slow News Wednesday. Ben Solak put out an awesome piece at the ringer this morning. And I want to share with you some of the best parts, some of the highlights. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show. 
My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out tonight. We already talked about Taco Bell. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple lakes and rivers in the second hour of the show, right before we're done. So that's up your alley. I uh, power ranked my favorite bodies of water in the state of Wisconsin. So I'm hoping we can embrace debate over that. I'm hoping we can end the show that way and then really keep the conversation going on Twitter. I started this on Monday because I saw Lake Pepin for the first time ever and was floored. I felt like I felt like I've been sleeping on that lake my entire life. I never knew. I never knew. We can talk about that a little over an hour. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. You can tweet me at Wisco Grand as well. We have a couple routine segments on this show. You know, we do the NBA Lounge, Club NFL. I've had fun the last couple weeks doing that. I think that one's going to stick. I, I try not to overdo it, right? I try not to force segments. You know, be flexible. You know, be uh I don't like to be rigid. Now I'm talking like Colin Coward. To put it in Coward terms, uh, this show is like Google. I, I don't want to be rigid like BlackBerry or uh, Blockbuster. That's, that's I guess, how I would explain it. There's one segment that I've tried to do, and we used to do it a lot, and it just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it didn't stick. Slow News Wednesday. Maybe you've heard it before. And in theory, every Wednesday, we spend 10 or 12 minutes breaking down an article or a podcast or some media thing that pertains to one of our teams, right? Works out well today uh, because earlier this morning, Ben Solak dropped a piece at the ringer that's really awesome. Talks about what's wrong with the Packers offense, what's wrong with the defense. This is the title. Are the Packers issues about scheme or talent? Yes. (laughs) And then the lead is on one side of the ball, Green Bay has the players, but not a system that will maximize them. On the other, the team has a smart playbook, but not the players to execute. What can the team do to fix its problems? Ooh, so let's get into this. And also... Uh, I have an intro for this. Oh, yeah, we used to do it big, and I had Zach record the voice work on the phone. So here we go. This is Flow News Wednesday on the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you, Zach Heilbrin. Appreciate him as always. Kenny and Heilbrin was awesome last night, by the way. It's good to have Zach back after he was under the weather and out of commission for a little bit last week. Love having Zach back. Love that Slow News Wednesday is back. So let's get into this. Ben Solak, ringer.com. I retweeted it earlier this morning. You should go read it if you haven't. But in case you don't have time, we're all busy. I'll give you the big points. They start with the defense, right? The first half of the offense is the defense. The second half is the offense. Did I say the the first half of the piece is about the defense? The first uh, first half. And then the second half is about the, the, the defense. I like the defense better. It, it has a really good scheme and breakdown of, of both sides of the ball. I want to talk more about the defense because I feel like Packers fans, we have a pretty good experience with what Rodgers looks like when it's working and what he looks like when it's not working. Like, oh, when Rodgers isn't playing well, we see these things. And we're seeing all of those things right now. So we're well aware of what's wrong with the offense. I don't think that needs to be explained to us. And I don't think we need stats or anecdotes or any sort of precedent to explain what's going on with the offense. With the defense, however... I think some stats are are helpful because I'm a little confused by this defense. The talent is undeniable. I don't really love Joe Barry's defensive coordinator, but I mean, my God, you have first round picks everywhere and high price free agents everywhere. A lot of investment on this defense and it's not working. So yes, I do need this explained to me. This is how the piece starts. I love how Solak sets up the defense. This is the written equivalent of an establishing shot right here. <clears throat> the Packers have seen seven first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. Rashawn Gary... Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, Quay Walker, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Darnell Savage. These aren't old, washed, transplant first-rounders. 
Each was selected by the Packers, and the oldest is Clark at 27. This list doesn't even include big contract players like Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, and Devondre Campbell. We talk all the time about how this defense is talented, but over the last three or four years, the only way the Packers could have invested more in their defense would have been to completely and totally neglect their offense. The only way the Packers could have invested more into their defense the last three years is if they never drafted receivers, O-linemen, never paid any money for backup O-linemen or wide receivers. Like, if they ignored their offense, they could make the defense better. But there's no reasonable, realistic way over the last three or four years that the Packers could have possibly invested more into their defense. All the spare change, all the extra money that they found in the couch, because it's all gone to the defense. All the extra draft picks, it's all gone into the, the jar the jar to, to spend on defense, right? Ben writes on, this is Ben Solak at the ringer, and he starts explaining alignments, how the defense is being set up. Read it for you. Barry has, pro- has brought plenty of the broad strokes of Brandon Staley's defense to Green Bay. The Packers present light boxes on 65% of their defensive snaps, which is eighth in the league, and a too high shell on 75%, which is third in the league. The 2020 Rams, of which Joe Barry coached on, We're at 78% and 79% on the same metrics, respectively. On film, we see much of the same stuff being run by all branches of the Vic Fangio tree. Bare fronts, split safeties, zone coverages. Okay, this is what we've talked about, right? Joe Barry is just running what most other defensive coordinators are doing. The defensive coordinator tree du jour in football right now is Vic Fangio. Too high. Keep the lid on the defense. Keep everything in front of you. We're not going to blitz too much. We're not going to obsess over stuffing the run. If you want to run it at three or four yards a pop, fine. We're going to make you dink and dunk your way all the way down the field. Right? So that's the that's the, the mold that Joe Barry is following. Ben Solak continues. <clears throat> How can a team with this much talent running a system that has largely succeeded in the NFL be bad? It's because they're poorly coached. Throw on any Packers film and you'll see players put into disadvantageous spots. The back seven regularly fails to exchange routes and coverage as players miscommunicate on rules and responsibilities, leaving open receivers streaking across the field. Speaking of streaking across the field, by the way, the Packers have allowed a pass rating of 134.3 on plays with at least one crossing route. That's second worst in the NFL. So essentially, if you run at least one wide receiver horizontally across the field, Probably a pretty good chance the play is going to work. Pass rating of 134.3 is pretty darn good. When the Packers are in man, they're sixth best as opposed to second worst in the NFL. Thing is, they only have nine snaps in man defense where they see at least one crossing route all season. They never run man, ever. Now back to Ben Solak. The Packers roll out out man coverage 15% of the time on first and second down, which is the ninth lowest figure in the league. On third downs of at least five yards, that number doubles. So this is the way I see it, and I think the best way that I can explain it. It's almost like Joe Barry is not aggressive and is not trying at all until it's third down. Once it's third down, then we get aggressive. Then we play man. Then we might come after the quarterback. Listen to this. This is a chart that's in the article. I'm going to do my best to summarize it for you. Packers defense by down uh, in success rate. On first down, the defensive success rate is 58%, which is terrible. Second, it's 47%, which is also stinky. But third down, success rate of over 70%. So down by down, first, second, to third, their rank by success rate in the NFL is 24th, 31st, and first. (laughs) So bottom of the barrel or or close to the bottom of the barrel on first and second down, but on first down elite. 
Their rushing success rate is 31st, 27th, 27th, which is terrible. So in third and shorts, they can't hold their own. But in third and longs, when teams are passing, first down, 16th, second down, 25th. But in third and obvious passing situations, they are the best defense in the league by success rate, which is wild. They're a lead on third down. Problem is, they're not forcing enough third downs. The Packers defense has faced 53 third downs this entire season. That's second worst in all of football. For a team, again, that could not realistically have invested more into their defense the last couple of years. It's wild. Here's what's most frustrating of all, and I'm going to go back to reading Ben Solak now. On early downs, the Packers line up four or five rushers and send those four or five dudes. They don't run any stunts or twists or change where the rushers are coming from. The Packers are one of only two teams with no snaps of only three rushers, and their four total snaps of six-plus rushers is one of the league's lowest numbers. Behind those rushers, they play zone coverage, either cover three or quarters, meaning two safeties both splitting down the middle and, and kind of covering their side of the field. So to summarize what I've read to you basically so far, the Packers have an unbelievable amount of talent on defense. They align in the way that most of the league aligns, a lot of too high, a lot of soft fronts. And yet, even with all that talent, and even with a pretty generic, successful defensive scheme, this defense stinks. On first down, they're not aggressive. On second down, they're not aggressive. On third down, they're really aggressive, and they succeed at a rate that's basically best in the NFL. The problem is they don't face enough third downs, so the opportunities to be aggressive and make those plays are few and far between, which is why they're giving up these long drives. You can be great on third down, but if your defense can't force a third down, especially a third down in a passing situation, then you're never going to get off the field. You could be the best third down team in the league, but if you never face any third downs, you're never going to have an opportunity to succeed. And what's most frustrating of all, the part I just read, they're not creative. They don't run any stunts, no twists. They line up their pass rushers, and they run straight up the field. There's never a question for the quarterback where these guys are coming from, how many guys are coming from what direction they're coming or from what direction or or in what direction they might go. This is the most bland defense you could possibly conceive, which for a defense without a lot of talent is fine. Bend but don't break. Force a team to drive the length of the field. Cross your fingers. Hope there's a penalty. Hope they make a mistake. The Packers have such a high level of talent. They shouldn't be reliant on a penalty or on the other team to make a mistake. They should be able to force the issue a lot more than they are. A lot more than they are. Joe Barry, think about it this way. Joe Barry has been given a a treasure trove of defensive talent at every position. And he's not having any fun with it. He's not making it his own. He's not trying things. He's not experimenting things. He's running the most boring, bland defense that you could conceive of, which is even worse when you consider how much talent he has. I I love the show Chopped. Talk about Chopped on on the Wisco Sports Show every once in a while. Joe Barry, it's like they've given him a, a pantry full of fresh ingredients, fruit, veggies from all corners of the globe, whatever your flavor is, we got it in the pantry. He's got a a fridge filled with meats and cheeses and creams and spices and everything you could want. Any possible food item you could want, Joe Barry has at his disposal. And meal after meal after meal, he's making fried eggs and toast. It's like, dude, aim a little higher. Be creative. Have fun. He is coaching a defense as if he has terrible talent, like 2016 talent, where Nick Perry was your top edge rusher and Ladarius Gunter was your top corner. This Packers defense has way too much talent to be boring and bland, and yet Joe Barry seems to insist on being boring and bland. I don't get it. 
608-796-2558. We can talk more about this and why Joe Barry is just not a real coach. It's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers. Although, if you want to talk about the Badgers and what they did on Saturday, give the Badgers a lot of credit for what they did on Saturday. They did what I've wanted the Packers to do for three years. Some major props to the Badgers. I'm not back in on the Badgers because I was never out, but I'm very excited to see where the Jim Leonard era takes us. I very much enjoyed Kenny and Heilprin last night. If you missed that right after this show, go find the podcast wherever you get your shows. And I don't know if you don't follow Ben Kenny on Twitter, you should because he tweets out all that stuff. He was in for me on Monday. Appreciate Ben. He's on Twitter at Kenny. Did a banging job on Monday. I'm going to be on Bill's Huddle tonight, I think. Ben texted me earlier today. Bill's Huddle coming up on many of these same stations. Right after this show from 6 to 8, previewing Packers Jets. We don't do a lot of predictions on this show, or I don't. I'm just, I'm not much of a sports gambler. I'd rather talk about the games once they happen uh, than try to predict what's going to happen. There's a lot of really good sports betting people out there. You should listen to them. I'm by no means a betting expert. I don't think I've ever given out a winning pick on the show. I like the long shot odds. I like to bet big numbers and hope for big return. I'm not sports betting my way two bucks at a time to, to a vast fortune here. I am worried about Packers Jets. Because I think based on Jerry Alexander's comments, maybe we're taking the Jets a little lightly. I think the Jets are better than the Giants, and I'm very worried about our guy Matt LaFleur needing to coach against his former best man and his brother. I don't know why that would be an issue, but I'm sure Matt LaFleur will find a way to make it an issue. 608-796-2558. Big Joe is here. What's up, Big Joe? What's up, buddy? How you doing, Grant? Hey, what's the deal with your Padres? I want them to win because I want the Brewers to look I don't bad. know, man. They are... They're inconsistent. They just can't beat the Dodgers, man. I don't know. It, it is what it is. And Ebo was asking me that this morning, too. He goes, Big Joe, what's up with your Padres? I go, I just, they can't hang with them, man. It's the money ball game. I think, well, okay, okay, okay. okay. You, you, you cannot cry poor about your Padres. Brewers fans, we can cry right. poor. You, can, you cannot. You have a lot of talent. And by, by the way, it's just one game, and they almost made a game of it last night. They had a little bit of a rally. I, it's not like they folded right, right off the and bat. Like I, told, like I told Evo and Nelson this morning, the only way the, Dodge, or the Padres have a shot in this series, they have to win tonight, and they have to win in San Diego. That's all they can do now. Well, yeah, and winning the, the tonight Saturday would be a good start. And the sad thing is, you know who they got tonight? They got to face Kershaw. Well, you know, Kershaw's no stranger to blowing a playoff game here, here and there. Excuse he, me. You know what he reminds me of? Who's Grant, that? This is always been a good, a good analogy on this. And Peyton Manning? Liked it at one time. Peyton Manning? Yes. I yes. just came to that. I knew it. Per- perfect. Yep. Perfect guy in the in the regular season. And then the playoffs can't do anything. Um, I'm actually going to be flipping between that and, believe it or not, I mean, Grant, I know you're not big on it. Nelson's not big on it. I am, though. I'm a diehard hockey fan, so I'll be flipping between that and NHL. So, What game are you watching tonight? I Look, I just I didn't grow I up in a hockey the, house. We don't have a team in Wisconsin. I'm not anti-hockey. I just, it's not my thing. I, I grew so much up, time. I've always been, I've always been diehard and loyal to the Colorado Avalanche, so when they won the cup last year, I was really happy. Um, I've gotten into liking Vegas over the year just because, like, they're, it's just a big party whenever you watch the game, but I went back to being an Avalanche fan for one reason and one reason only. 
Okay. In between periods, the song that they play is all the small things. Oh, you're a Blink guy. And you know me, Grant. I'm a huge Blink fan. Yeah, you are. Why do I know all these things about you? I know you're. I know that you're a Padres fan. I know that you love Blink. Why do I? Why do I know all these things about you, Big Joe? <laughs> I don't know, buddy. You, you just kind of like Evo. You know me well, and Nelson. He's known me forever too. Obviously, the whole Stoughton connection, me and him. Uh, the Stoughton. Let connection. me ask you this too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. When, when are you going to do your NBA preview? By the way, because I got to call and I got to talk to NBA with <laughs> you. Everyone keeps asking this. I think fr- I, Friday. Friday. I'm, I don't think Friday. We're doing it Friday. Right, I'm, I'm waiting to hear if, if Justin Garcia can. Okay. I'm waiting to, to hear if Justin Garcia can be a part of it. But if he's not, what? screw it. We're just going to do it because people keep asking, which surprises me. You know what yeah. you ought to get? Because he'd be a great interview for you, buddy. Jim Paschke. Paschke? Hmm. Yep. Do you, do you know him? Do you, do you, do you... I've actually talked to him before. <laughs> Uh, I could, guy. I could try to get Jim Paschke, I guess. I'm pretty lazy. I yeah. actually, I said to DM. On Twitter, his handle is at Paschke Ball or yeah. something like that. I said to DM to a Jets reporter today because I'm like, eh, well, maybe talk about the Jets with a Jets reporter. Let me guess. They got back to you and they said, can't wait. <laughs> uh, no, they didn't. They didn't get back to me. So this is why I had my feelings. So Big Joe, I, I got to take a break. Good luck to your Padres. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, bud. Yeah, good time to you, Grant. Thanks. Yeah, you as well. That is, is Big Joe. Why do I know? Like, I, I know a lot about all the callers because we, we chat so often. Why do I know so many things about Big Joe? I know he's a Padres fan. I know he loves Blink-182. I don't know when or where he told me that. Yeah, Blink. Blink's going back on tour. Big Joe, we got to get you out there. Uh, let's talk more Packers coming up next. I'm worried about our guy Matt LaFleur. He needs to have a moment this week. I don't know what that looks like, but we got to figure it out. Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes. In trouble. Looking. Ball knocked out. Recovered underneath with no time left by Green Bay. And the Giants come from behind and knock off the Packers 27 to 22. New York is now 4 and 1 with a stunner in London. There's games like this where our defense is not going to be up to their normal standards, and we got to pick them up. We had chances, a lot of chances. So definitely the offense, uh, this one will weigh heavy on us on this fight back. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. Over the last two hours or so, I've been reading about how uh, it was decided that Alex Jones has to pay actually very close to a billion dollars to the Sandy Hook parents in that defamation trial. Because, you know, Alex Jones said that was fake. And, you know, I don't know if he believed it at the time, but I guess that doesn't matter. Six hundred ninety five million he has to pay out, which he obviously uh, does not have. And then that got me thinking, if someone were to sue me for defamation over something that was said on the show... Who would it be and, and what would it be over? Like, what have I said on the show that maybe was an off-the-cuff comment or just a, a throwaway line that uh, that I could get sued over? You think the Brewers would sue me for defamation for complaining that they didn't stream their press conference with David Stearns yesterday? They probably don't care. I'm trying to... This, this freaks me out. I'm like, oh, man. 
$965 million. You'd, you'd really have to step in it to have to pay up that much in a defamation trial. But, you know, I talk for two hours every single day, say a lot of things about a lot of different things and a lot of different people. So I'm trying to think, okay, I, I'm going to avoid a defamation trial. What, uh, what would, what, what, what would be my pitfall, right? Where would it, where, where would I have to pay up? I, I think we're okay. Nothing came to mind right away, but let's keep it on our radar. It's uh, defamation season, at least for Alex Jones. Uh, let's not go there. I don't. I don't want to have to pay a billion dollars over something dumb that was said on this show. 608-796-2558. That's the number to call and text. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We have an hour more to talk Packers. I'm worried about our guy Matt Lafleur. This seems like a weird week for him. The travel to London, I think, got in his head, and I weirdly think he's going to get in his head over facing his best man, Robert Sala, and his brother, Mike LaFleur. I don't know why that would be an issue, but I feel like Matt LaFleur will find a way to make it an issue. So I'm worried about that. We can talk Packers-Jets. If you want to talk about Big Joe's Padres, they play Clayton Kershaw tonight. We can talk about that. Or if you have Badger's thoughts, I'm willing to discuss whatever. Just hit me up, uh, and you can tweet at me, like I said, as well. FedEx Fred is here. 608-796-2558. What's up, Fred? Not too much. Grant, we're talking about the Vikings and Packers. Was that today? Um, What was that? You were cutting out for a sec. What was that? You and a co-worker were talking about the uh, the Packer Vikings and the Packers winning the division this year? Oh, yeah. I had a, I had a co-worker who was giving me the rubdown about his team being, you know, four and one and looking really good. I said, look, the Packers are going to win the division. Like it's inevitable. I, I I'm still not worried about that at all. I don't know if the, I don't know if the Packers are going to win the division this year. Minnesota okay. seems to be getting all the bounces they didn't get last year. Okay. Which is the only reason why I think they might be able to win that this division this year. So just luck. Yes. Yes. Not, not because of talent. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I guess. Part, yeah, part of me wants to look at the Vikings and think, well, they got lucky against Detroit and they got lucky in this game and lucky in London against the Saints with this and that. But then I look at the Packers and I'm like, well, they got lucky against Tampa winning a close game and they got lucky to win against Bailey Zappi. So I'm not even, I, I don't know. The Vikings have had some good luck, but the Packers have had some good luck too, and still they're only three and two. But with luck also comes, I think Minnesota has a better wide receiver core than, than Green Bay right now. Minnesota also has a better offensive line, I think. Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Well, here's another thing. That's another thing Matt LaFleur needs to figure out. Buddy, you got a lot of offensive line talent. They should be better than this. Figure it out. That's the reason I said offensive line. This this whole entire will he play, won't he play, or he'll only play 30 snaps needs to stop. Either you can play the full game or you can't. I'm... Yeah, I well. Here's the thing. He played. He played almost all of the snaps against the Patriots two weeks ago, and then his snaps took a huge cut, a huge reduction in London. And they were saying, "Well, he's playing on turf, and he had a long flight." And I'm like, "Man, is it is it really that fickle week to week? Where if it's grass versus turf, he he plays a lot or only plays a little? Like, it feels like we're getting to the point now where that stuff shouldn't matter as much." I think we are to that point now where it doesn't matter what kind of field he's on, he should be playing. So does yeah. that mean then when he goes down to Soldier Field, he won't play because the grass is too long? I don't or, know. Or, you know, the field's junk? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm uneasy about the offensive line situation. I mean, what would this look like if they didn't have a, a 
good backup with Yash Nijman. Like, that's such a luxury that we just we take for granted. Oh, it would be a nightmare if we didn't have a... Uh-oh. <laughs> Aaron yeah. Rodgers would be sacked in the double digits already. Oh, great. I do, and... I do think they have yet to play their best football, though. I think that's what I'm leaning back on. When I say that I'm pretty sure the Packers will still win the division, I mean, hey, I should put my money where, where my mouth is. Or put my money where my mouth is. Because they're plus odds to win the division. The Vikings are the favorites right now. So I guess if I really feel great, I should just bet on it and shut up. Also, it's time. I'm, I'm sick of hearing Matt LaFleur talk about this this whole entire London experience. Yeah, I'm done. You know, that. the plane trip. You know, the uh, we you'll feel more of an effect uh, this Sunday than we will when we were playing in London. It's like, it's almost to the point of where it's like it was a game. You had to travel. Get over it. Let's go. Time to time to turn the ship around and head her in the right direction. Yeah, Matt Lafleur's got a lot of things to figure out. All right, so give me your prediction for Packers Jets then before I let you go, Fred. What do you think? Seventeen twenty. Oh God, the Jets. <laughs> you know what's frustrating is I can see it. <laughs> like the Jets, we yeah. we joke like Jair Alexander saying, "Well, if we lose to the Jets, I'll be worried." The Jets are probably better than the Giants. The Jets have some playmakers. Like, Brees Hall is very good. Garrett Wilson's very good. There's some yeah. playmakers on this Jets team. Zach Wilson's 2-0 since returning from the injury injury list. Like, this team's starting to feel it. And Green Bay doesn't look like they have a clue of what's going on right now. So it kind of scares me. Yeah, I know what you mean. We just we need to get on the other side of that Buffalo game. We need to get two wins. We need to get a win against the Jets, win against the Commanders. Just have a decent performance in Buffalo. Don't look terrible. And then we'll be on to the second part of the season, and we can maybe start to talk about what comes next. But next couple of weeks, it's very clear what the Packers have to do. And that's win. No questions asked about it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Fred. It was nice to hear from you. Thanks, Grant. Yeah, have a good one. That's our friend, FedEx Fred. Uh, Ryan Wood just tweeted out a quote from Rogers. Aaron Rodgers on the Devontae Adams situation. Quote, I was surprised. I was definitely surprised. I love Devontae. I reached out to him after the game. I haven't seen the clip yet, but yeah, I was surprised. I don't believe for a second that Rodgers hasn't seen that clip. And I'm going to tweet as such at Wisco Grant that Rodgers hasn't seen the clip. I don't believe that for a second. I would bet my life on that not being true. There's no way Aaron Rodgers hasn't seen that clip yet. But anyways, not what we're talking about. We're talking about Matt LaFleur. He's got to get his house in order. He's got to have a moment this week where everyone in the the organization, everyone at a meeting, everyone at practice turns and looks and goes, oh, okay. Okay, I see you. I see you, coach. I see you, Matt LaFleur. All right. I didn't know I had that. I didn't know you had that in you. All right. All right. Everyone sits up straight. Everyone pays attention. We need a moment for Matt LaFleur this week because we're we're trailing off in some different directions with some drama Aaron Rodgers, Jair Alexander, it's not really drama, but you know what I mean, right? Mixed messaging, and then Rasul Douglas just winding up a storm going to London. Then he played, like, dump in London. And the offensive line seems to be getting more confusing instead of less confusing as the season goes along. Joe Barry is not a real coach. He's got to tell Joe Barry to figure it out. Matt LaFleur's got a lot on his plate this week. He needs to have a moment. Dan is in Broadhead, 608-796-2558. What's up, Dan? Oh, not much. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I'm making sure that I'm not going to get sued for defamation because this Alex Jones thing has me freaked out. Uh, but everyone who's texted and tweeted in said, if anyone on the show has to worry about defamation, it's Dave from Monona. So I'm probably in the clear. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah, he, he, he covers that a lot for, for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah um, so I was calling just, uh, yeah, I, I tried to text in yesterday, but for some reason it didn't go through. 
uh, when you were asking about, uh, you know, the play calling and stuff. And I don't know exactly who the the OC is in Green Bay right now. Is LaFleur the one playing, calling plays? Yeah, Matt LaFleur's calling plays, yeah. Okay, and then so I was wondering if maybe the fact that they lost Nathaniel Hackett is that, you know, maybe a reason why they're not going to their, you know, running backs and feeding the ball to them, or is it Rodgers, you know, taking over and saying they want to run, but I want to pass because I'm the MVP? It's probably a little bit of that. I think Aaron Rodgers sometimes, and here we're we're guessing and we're assuming, right? I think Rodgers, just based on what I, I know about him and what we've watched over the last, you know, well, going on 15 years now, 16 years, however long it's been, I think Aaron Rodgers is a perfectionist, and I think he gets to the line and he has a play call, and the play call is probably a good one, and it'll work. But I think Rodgers needs to be perfect. So he's like, all right, this play is great, but this play would be better. And then he's audibling and moving guys around, and that's great when you're playing with a bunch of veterans and they all can pick up on your little signals and messages, right? But when you have rookies, just run the play that's called because I think Matt LaFleur is a really good offensive coordinator. I think this offense works, and and sometimes it's okay to be very good instead of always trying to be perfect because I think that trying to be perfect is sometimes where this Packers offense gets its wires crossed a little bit. Yeah. And what's the the other thing I have is what what is the thing about the uh, you know Bakhtiari the long plane ride isn't isn't a, a plane ride from like New York to California the same distance? Yeah. As going you know over to London and it it just seems like they're trying to save face on the money that they gave them and that's why they're trotting him out there for you know if he's only playing 30 snaps i guarantee he's not playing at 100 percent. it's it's just it's just bizarre I, I i don't know maybe david bakhtiari's knee is really jacked up and maybe they are hiding something but they don't look they don't have to hide anything dan you tell me if you disagree this happens sometimes you give a player a big contract and then they have a crushing injury and there's not really anything you can do about it like if all of a sudden david bakhtiari can't play anymore it will suck but i think packers fans will understand that's the luck of the draw sometimes I think this is more Matt LaFleur just being Matt LaFleur, overthinking a little bit and saying, well, you know, it's a really long plane ride and uh, the, the field is turf, so let's cut back Bakhtiari's snaps a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. It seems a little unnecessary to me. Yeah, I got two more things before I let you go. Yeah. One thing is I think LaFleur, he needs to have a little more fire. He seems like one of the nicest coaches I've ever seen. It almost like he gets he could get stepped on yeah. instead of commanding the room. You know, it's just weird how he's so soft-spoken that it just does. Maybe it doesn't resonate with his players. Maybe I also think in this day and age, you you need to be that way. You know what I mean? I, I think you you need to be a players' coach, and then here and there you can pull out some some fire and brimstone, and really get after guys. But I, I just don't think that that guys were always yelling at players. That was Zimmer, right? That's been Josh McDaniels in the past, and I just don't think that works anymore. But I, I do think you need sometimes to have a big personality, and, and this week I think is the time for Matt LaFleur to do that. Yeah. And the last thing that I had is I want to ask you, are you sure that the Bears will still be the worst team in the league this year? Um, That's a good question. Uh, I guess I hadn't thought about it. Who who off the top of your head is worse? You know what I mean? Uh, the Raiders. Yeah, the Raiders, okay. Anybody with one win? <laughs> you you watch the Raiders. They're better than one in four. They, they could easily have won a couple of these games. Early in the season, the record is, I, I don't know. You talk to football coaches, 
and they'll tell you, well, the, the, the result is a little bit overrated. You know, you got to look closer or certainly people who do data science or they look at, you know, the granular details of football games. They'll tell you, OK, this team is one and four, but fundamentally they're, you know, they're uh, they're two and three or they're three and two. Right. There's a lot of the bounce of the ball, a lot of luck. And the Bears, look, they have an easy schedule because they didn't win the division last year uh, and things have gone their way. I still think they're a very poor football team. Yeah, but in the sense that you're saying that the Raiders just had a few things bounce their way bad yeah. is the same way that I could say the Bears were close on the Minnesota game of trying to tie it. They uh, must have punt to, to lose to the Giants, which could have had them go down. Yeah, they would have had to connect on a two-point conversion, but they were in the games. Yeah. You know, they're not getting wiped out every game, and, and I still think they're going to have over five wins. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it helps that they got that week one win against San Francisco in the rain. Like it, the the Bears getting a couple of these early wins obviously really helps their season win total. It doesn't make me think any more about them as a team. I think it's become clear that the Bears really don't want to have a great offense, and they may not be in on Justin Fields. They just kind of want to be the Bears and do Bears things. I think that's what I've seen. New coach, new GM, but still kind of the same old Bears, the same MO. Yeah, that you just explained my entire <laughs> lifetime of watching them. Yeah, no, I get, I get you. Yeah, Dan, I appreciate the call. Not to dump on the Bears. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, one day the tides will turn. I hope. I can only hope. But one day. You have a good rest of your day, Grant. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for the call, Dan. Law of large numbers would say that at some point, yes, it it will turn. Uh, at least that's what Bears fans hope, right? You gotta hope. I think Aaron Rodgers. I, I like that discussion about uh about changing plays at the line. You know, when it was at the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure, we always discussed, well, you know, how are we supposed to know what the play call is? Because Rodgers might be changing it. So we could, you know, we would never, it's like trying to grab smoke. You just never really get a good handle on what's going on in the offense because you don't know who's making what decision. I think Aaron Rodgers, just again, judging on what we've seen from him, all, all the things that we've heard him say, I like to think that we know Aaron Rodgers decently well and kind of how he operates, right? I could very much picture Aaron Rodgers going to the line of scrimmage, getting the play call, looking at the defense, and thinking, it's a good play. This will work. But I can make it a little bit better, right? And if there's 10 other Aaron Rodgers on the field with him that know what he's talking about and have this wealth of, of knowledge and experience to pull from, then sure, right? Let's take that play call from a 9 to a 10 or from an 8 to a 10. Let's, let's, leave, uh, let's leave good in an attempt to be great, right? But when you're playing with rookies... And guys who are playing out of position, maybe on the offensive line, just call the simple play because it'll probably work. We don't need to risk, you know, ruining everything, trying to just get a one percent advantage that may not even be required, especially if it's second and two or third and one, and you only need a yard. So oh, I see something in the secondary. Okay, we'll just get the yard, right? We don't need to audible three times and risk confusion and risk crossing wires all over the the field, especially with younger players who are just trying to find their way in the NFL. 608-796-2558. Got to take a break. We'll keep talking about this next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking Packers. What's new? <laughs> Matt LaFleur coaching against his best man this weekend, Robert Sala. That's just going to become a thing. I know it. 
But we're now on Matt LaFleur's fourth season. I got an idea of how this guy is wired. Uh, it's just going to become a thing. I know it. And his brother's the offensive coordinator as well. So we're talking about Matt LaFleur, the week he has to have, and what's going on with this offense and Aaron Rodgers. It's just not clicking. So how do we get it to click? 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text, as does Mike in Eau Claire. Mike, what's going on? Welcome. Alexa, play WAYY Sports Talk Radio. Mike, are you there? Mike. We're going to come back to Mike. That's funny that he's listening to WAYY on his smart device, though. I'm going to have to tell Dan Casper he's doing that. We'll come back to Mike in a minute, see if he's ready. A couple of texts to get to first. Uh, Logan in the Dirty Mill, one of our 414 listeners. Uh, says Zach Wilson is an eight-point dog versus the Swiss cheese pack defense this Sunday. So do I hammer the Jets or simply sprinkle uh, on the near plus 300 money line? This is such a fake betting guy thing to say, but I do weirdly believe it. This is just my take on betting. I'm either betting with a chance to get a real nice payout or I'm not betting at all. I'm not betting for pennies. I don't do piddly, piddly things, right? So if you really think that the Jets are going to do this, and that Zach Wilson and Robert Saul is going to come to Lambeau and, and catch the Packers at a good time and, and, the, and the Packers are going to lose this game. So just bet him on the money line so you get the juice. Otherwise, don't bet it. But that's just me, right? I'm not partitioning, you know, little bits of money here and there and taking notes on what I'm betting. If I have a good feeling about a game and I want to bet it, just bet it the way that you can get the best odds. That's not probably good advice. That's not what a professional gambler would tell you, but that's the way I would gamble. So, Logan, if you think the Jets are going to win, just bet them on the money line. Don't bet them to cover. Just bet them to win because the payout will be better. Mike is in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. Hey, Mike, are you there? No, I lost you there. Hey, I lost you there for a minute. Oh, are you back now? I'm back now. Do you, do you, so do you have the show on in the background? Just turn that down a little bit so we can chat. Yeah, I'll turn it down right now. Oh, you're good. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. No, you're buddy. good. You're all good. You're all good. Alexa, volume down. No, I was waiting. Okay, I got it. No, I'm so, I'm so, I was just listening to your show like I do every night. Yeah. Here. Is that better? Yeah, that, that's great. I, your show and I just got some stuff to say. I just wanted to. Chime my big my 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 thought in. Yeah, yeah, you know? please. Okay, well, um, I was in that pessimistic fella say, and then we said that the 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 end of the game. I kind of lost my train of thought here. Oh, when we okay. thought at the end of the game, the the Jets were going to beat the Packers. I just want to say to all of Packer Nation, you know, relax has already been used. R E L A X. But you know, this is a base. Football has changed. It's more of a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we're mm-hmm. five games into the season, and people are freaking out. And it would be kind of better to limp along unnoticed and to get to the end of the season, get healthy, get strong, show them them special plays, start maybe running a wildcat, doing some stuff that they don't expect the Packers to do. That would be a way to get into the playoffs in 2010, Nobody remembers what we were that year. I think we just barely got in the playoffs and we won the Super Bowl. It's about getting hot at the right time. And I really got my heart broke. I mean, I had to take a couple days away from sports radio because I was freaking out about this London game. Yeah. And I don't care about the travel because it's both ways. But I really am not going to be pessimistic. I'm going to stay optimistic. I think we'll figure it out. And I think by week 10, week 11, we're going to get strong. Maybe by week 15, week 16. We'll, we'll be a formidable foe, and I believe we're going to go deep into the playoffs. 
Well, Mike, first of all, I'm I'm glad you called in and we eventually got connected so we can talk about this. I, I do weirdly believe that every great team should have a stretch where they struggle every season. That's why this last season with the Brewers, when they had that slump in, you know, when was it May or June when they went on that long losing yeah. streak, I said, okay, we'll, we'll get this out of the way with now. We'll bottom out so then we can build it back up and hopefully be playing our best baseball at the right time. I believe that in the NFL too. It's just hard in the moment to realize that. And I think that's what you're doing. Right. Nobody remembers the regular season um, numbers, you know, just remembers if you won the Super Bowl. So we just got to get to the playoffs. There was a guy talking on the radio this morning, Mm -hmm. and he said straight up, he says he's predicting that the Vikings will have a home game against the Eagles. I'm like, oh, my God, at least five, you're predicting they're winning a home game. I just chuckled. You know, it's like the Vikings will do what the Vikings do every year. They'll implode. It always happens. Well, this is, this is what, yeah, this is what, and I I risk sounding a little bit like an old man here and and using cliches, but this is kind of what I don't like about sports betting is every time that that a a game happens and a team plays poorly, we have to think about what it means for their Super Bowl future, what their, what it means for their division odds, what it means for the seeding odds. Like we need to be more in the moment, right? And I I don't mind sports betting, but the problem is we we have a result. And the first thing we want to do with it is use it to bet something that's going to happen months from now. Right. So I'm with you. We can take these games that are struggles and hope that the Packers learn from it, build from it and get better. And you look at 2010, right? When they won the Super Bowl, they had a down stretch. They lost back to back overtime games to a bad uh, R words to the Redskins and then to the Dolphins. So this happens. Yeah. You know, then they went into that first game, the playoff game. They went into the division leading NFC leading um, Atlanta Falcons and they never punted. Yeah. They just destroyed them. They, you know, the wild card team. It's like there's so much left of the season, and I don't, I don't like to listen to people who are pessimistic. I really think, I can't say it's this week, but I think we're going to get our head on straight. And I don't think we're going to have a, I hope, I said this about the Giants last week, I don't think we're going to have a lot of problems with the Jets. I just hope we can take care of business here and just build from it and build from it and build from it. And, and I really think we're going to have a good season. All right, Mike. Hey, I appreciate the call, and it's nice to hear you using your Amazon Alexa device to listen to Sports Talk 105.1 up there in Eau Claire. That's good stuff. We like that. Every day. I listen every day to you. You're great. I love the I love the Whistle Grant Sports Show. I love that, good Mike. Fan. Thanks for the call. Have a good night. Uh, you too. Have a great night. You too. That's Mike in Eau Claire. I love that I picked up the phone, and I hear Mike saying, hey, Alexa, play W-A-Y-Y radio. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's, he's pulling up the show. <laughs> I'm glad we got to Mike, though. I think that's some good perspective. You know, when the Packers lose or they're playing really poorly and we have all these things that we're concerned about and we're down about, you know, we need to talk about what's wrong with the Packers' defense and the inexplicable ways in which Joe Barry is doing what he does. Just, I don't know, trying to explain Joe Barry in general. Right, or talking about what the offense is struggling with or the things that Aaron Rodgers is is seemingly struggling with, or Matt LaFleur, right? We can, we can get stuck in this little bubble of how things aren't going well, but if we zoom out big picture, right, history would tell us that even the best teams, Super Bowl winning teams, go through really bad stretches in the year. Now, there's a lot of bad teams that through three or four weeks, the fans are probably saying, man, we're getting our bad stretch out of the way with early, you know? And sometimes it just doesn't get any better for teams. And maybe the Packers, maybe this is who they are. Maybe their offense never really gets off the ground, and maybe Joe Barry just... Never really gets his defense off the ground. Who knows? Um, but it's such a long season. And I do think that that's an effect of, of sports betting and how it's become such a big talking point that whenever a game happens, 
we instantly got to think, well, I'm, I'm rethinking my, my playoff future bet for the Packers. It's like, like easy, easy, okay? But some people just bet to bet, and that's cool. But I think we're always thinking about Super Bowl futures, division futures, uh, futures to make or to miss the playoffs. And I, I think it kind of pollutes the way we react to individual games and talk about individual games on a week-to-week basis. Does that make sense? And I know that's not everybody. I listen to a ton of podcasts, and it seems like gambling has just become a part of all of them, which is interesting. I like listening to people talk about sports gambling, but sometimes it's just like we talk about it to talk about it, and sometimes when the Packers lose in London to the Giants, there's really not big-picture ramifications to that. You know what I mean? I was just about to take... Oh, here we go. Daniels and Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daniel? Hey. Um, I wanted to kind of switch over from the pessimism about the Packers over to the pessimism about the Badgers. Oh, well, I'd love that. Let's do that. Oh. Well, it's actually about the Badger basketball team. Oh, um, love that even more. Which I don't know if you, like, follow them all that closely, but uh, my father goes to the red and white scrimmage every single year. Yeah. Has for 15 years, something like that. He said that this was the most discouraging red and white scrimmage that he's ever seen. Really? And what what did he say? I, well, he said that there were they were shooting a lot of threes, but they were missing a lot of threes. <laughs> and yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't tell that from the from the highlight reel that like Wisconsin Badgers Instagram post stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But he's like he was like it was almost brutal to watch. Um like watching uh the G leaguers play preseason games for the bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that's not so, great. Also, I don't know like any of the players. I feel like I've known all of the players or at least like I know the starting five going into the year, most years, but I think I know Chucky Hepburn and Johnny Davis's brother. And <laughs> you don't even know his name. I, Dude, we should just refer to him as Johnny Davis's brother. We shouldn't even call him Jordan. We should just call him Johnny <laughs> Davis's brother until he proves something. I like that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it, with, with the way the Badger football season has gone so far and then looking ahead to Badger basketball, not knowing anybody, and then apparently Badger hockey is not supposed to be good either because they just lost to, like, a high school team or something like that. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're kind of uh, we're kind of in in for an interesting winter, I think. Be careful! You're going to summon a call from David Monona because one of his weird rallying cries is that Tony Granado should have been fired years ago. Which I again, I know nothing about Badger hockey, but that's his thing. So if we talk about this too much, we're going to summon him. <laughs> well, I uh, I'll sign off then. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the call, and uh, let me know anything you hear from your dad about Badger basketball. I do like Badger yeah, basketball. We'll I, I probably watch a lot more of that. Well, I watch all the Badger football games, but um, I'm just probably a bigger pure basketball fan than I am football fan. So I'm I'm excited about the season always. But when they start, it's right. It's November, and there's a million other things going on. It's true. Yeah. All right, Daniel. Thanks for the call. Yeah, bye. That's our friend Daniel in Madison. Appreciate it. It's the most discouraging red and white scrimmage. Oh, no. It doesn't bode well. Let's take a break. We'll continue. We can talk Badger basketball. Screw it. Yeah, we can do more of that. We'll talk more Packers. Mel, for I have a couple sound bites I want to play you. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Mesa. Play the Wisco Sports Show on WAYY Radio. Shout out to shout out to Mike and Eau Claire. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can text and call 608-796-2558. Got a tweet here from Nick. It says, the same guys that are freaking out about the Packers are the same guys on the outdoor pages calling out the rut because they have a four-pointer on camera with a doe. Give it a few weeks, fellas. I love this show so much. God forbid we ever just speak in normal terms. It's always got to be analogies, and I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, the rut is very much not on. So what is it today? October 12th? I was freaked out because in, I don't know if it was late August or really early September, me and a couple of buddies uh, planned the weekend that I just had. We went up north and we were going to try to catch some steelhead. And about two weeks into September, I got worried. I started to think, man, we're going to be too late. It started to get a little cooler. We had a spell in mid-September where it really started to get cool. And I'm like, crap, we're going to get up there too late. Everything's going to be done with. And we were early. We are probably early by two weeks, right? It's not even Halloween yet. So if we're talking rut and if we're chasing rat tails, uh, no. Halloween Halloween is when when I used to bow hunt, when I lived uh, not in lacrosse and when I had time and I would bow hunt, you know, after school or on, on weekends or whatever. Halloween was always when it really started to fire up. And it's not even Halloween yet. Just like the NFL season is in its infancy. It's in week five. And yet week one feels like it was two months ago, right? The the timeline of the NFL season is so bizarre, right? Because it's early. And then, you know, we'll be three weeks down the road from now and, and we'll be lost in the middle. And then all of a sudden it's January and you felt like you just watched the Packers get blown out in week one a week ago. You know what I mean? You just get so caught up in the time frame and in the time constraints of the NFL season, you start to lose yourself a little bit. And that's why I appreciate Mike calling in saying, Hey, can we, can we calm down a little bit? We've seen five games and we thought that this is going to be the case. We thought the offense was going to go through some growing pains. We thought that the defense would have to rule the day early on. And we were right. The problem is Joe Barry is not a real defensive coordinator, right? I shared some stats with you from Ben Solak's piece at the ringer earlier today. Uh, success rate by down, right? So how often the defense is getting a, an advantageous play or an advantageous result. Uh, the success rate for the defense on first down, when they're facing a team that's on first down, 58%, that's 24th in the league. Second down is 47%, that's 31st in the league. 70% on third down, which is first, best in all of the NFL. The problem is the Packers have only seen a total of 53 third downs this season. That's second worst in football. So you have Joe Barry that's constructed this defense to get after the quarterback on third down and man up on third down and create big plays on third down to get off the field. And they're really good at it because the personnel is really good. Look at all the talent that's been invested in the Packers defense. The problem is they're so bad on first and second down that they never really have opportunities in third down to get off the field. Joe Barry is not running any stunts, not running any twists. He doesn't he doesn't mix and match who he sends or how many men he sends after the quarterback or where those men come from. It's just all very bland, which is so boring. Imagine having all of that talent and still coming up with the defense this uninspired. It's it's a bummer. It's a big bummer. Uh, and hopefully Joe Barry can get after it. Maybe we'll hear a little bit more from Matt LaFleur tomorrow. He's been asked a lot over the first couple of weeks. Like, hey, are you going to have talks with Joe Barry? Like, I don't know what that guy does. Uh, He might not do anything. Like the line from Office Space. What would you say you do here? What does Joe Barry do? Like, if I sat down with Joe Barry right now, or if I was on the Packers beat, 
and there's uh, media availability for Joe Barry, I'd say, hey, uh, Joe Barry, what would you say that you do and what kind of impact are you having on this Packers defense that no other defensive coordinator could have? What are you providing that the Packers could not get from another defensive coordinator? And I'd be interested to hear his answer. It would probably be three minutes long and it'd be really detailed. And by the end of it, I'd be bored and I'd forget what we were even talking about and I'd move on, which props again to Joe Barry. I have a lot of respect for Joe Barry. He's conned his way into three defensive coordinator jobs despite not being good at it, right? And he somehow has taken what should be a really awesome, inspiring Packers defense and turned it into this bland, boring defense that reminds me of the 2016 Packers. 608-796-2558. Travis is in Holman. What's going on, Travis? Hey, Grant. How are you today? Uh, I am well. I'm a little bit under the weather. I have a very dry throat, so I'm limping through the show today. But the content is there. The the conversation is there. I just feel like I sound kind of dumpy. I think you sound great as usual. You can't tell. I can't tell. Well, thank you. I wasn't fishing for that compliment. How was the weekend up north? It was great, um, and I know you were up at the fall ride in Tomahawk. I was more, uh, or a couple weeks ago, you know, I, I, I know that wasn't this last weekend, but I was up uh, yeah, yeah. in the, the northwest corner of the, the Iron Range, almost, uh, some might say. Uh-huh. At least that's, I think that's more Minnesota, but yeah, up near Superior, it was great. We didn't catch any steelhead, though, because they weren't running yet. They were still out on the lake. That's what I just heard you say, yeah. Well, it, <sighs> you're, uh, I appreciated your... Um tweet of you listening to the game on the radio. I thought that was Wasn't pretty beautiful. Hey, as a, as a diehard Packers fan, and I know you're the biggest Packers homer we have, I feel like oh, you yeah. should pick one game a year that you listen to. Go outside and do something. Like, even if, you, even if you're just at home, go out and rake the leaves and just commit one Packer game a year to only listening to on the radio. I think that's really fun. Like, it's a different way to consume. It's a different way to take in a game. I like the pregame and the postgame. So, like, one game a year I try to listen to, and that was this weekend. Yeah, there's times where I've been traveling uh, back from northern Wisconsin to lacrosse, and I've listened to it on the And yeah, Wayne and Larry, just they bring you into whatever stadium you're in and do such a good job. Like, yeah, you feel like you're there, and it is a whole different experience. And But I love watching them on TV. I love being in my basement and yeah. putting them on a the big screen. Nothing better than that. It is it know. is hard to listen when you have the option to watch. But I do try like normally True. when I'm traveling, I'll just say, Okay, I'll drive during the Packers game and I'll listen to it. I try to do that once a year. Yeah, I it's awesome. So, um I wanted to say about the Packers here that I'm okay losing a couple games. As the biggest Packer fan, Homer fan out there, I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with a couple losses here. We've been there, done that, number one seed, cruising in the playoffs, thinking we're gonna roll, like I am totally fine with a couple losses here. I mean, I know it's disappointing and, you know, Sunday afternoon sucks and stuff like that. But come around Monday, I'm feeling good. It's fine. We got football again on Sunday. But, yeah, I'm fine losing a couple games because we've been there, done that, number one seed, home field advantage. Might be a different feel this year, I'm thinking. Also, and we did this with the Bucks too. You get home field advantage a couple of times, and then you lose at home, and it's almost like, well, I don't want the pressure of playing at home. I, I would rather be not an underdog, but I'd, I'd rather be the aggressor. I'd rather be the team with something to prove rather than the team that's trying to avoid blowing a game at home. And it hurts more. It hurts. It cuts way. It it just cuts way deeper. Yeah, I I, I agree with the take that. Let's get our struggles out of the way with earlier. Let's struggle a little bit so we can grow and we can learn and we can come out on the other side of this as a better team, Travis. Oh, we we will be a better. We'll definitely. We're fine. We're fine. I said that. I keep saying, you know, we're fine, uh, but we really are fine, and we will come out better on the other side. Always. 
manifestation, right? That's what Aaron talks about. That's what we need to be. All, all of us across the entire state need to take up that thinking. Speak it into existence. Put it out in the universe. Before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to put out into the universe? Uh, well, the Green Bay Packers, we're going to win the Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. Thanks, Travis. Manifest it. <laughs> Everyone across the state, manifest it. I love it. Oh, my yeah. God. Thanks for the call. Yeah, that's our friend Travis and Holman. 608-796-2558. Yeah, if you follow Travis on Twitter, every tweet, every social media post is signed off with hashtag the GBPs will win the Super Bowl. Hey, speak it into existence. I like it. I'm a fan. Speaking of uh, northern Wisconsin and bodies of water, we were talking a little bit. Well, I don't, were we talking about bodies of water? I don't know. I think I mentioned the lake. Uh, on Monday, and I tweeted a video of this at Wisco Grant, I... Uh, I posted a video at Lake Pepin, which is a place that I'd never been to before. Didn't grow up that far from there, but I just never had a reason to go there. If I'm driving north along the river, I'm always on the Wisconsin side, and then I end up going over towards Eau Claire because that's kind of where my parents are from. So when I go up that way, I'm never on the Minnesota side. My, oh, my, Lake Pepin, ladies and gentlemen, have I slept on that place, and I apologize. I'm sorry. When we come back to wrap up the show... Uh, I'm going to continue that conversation that I started on Twitter at Wisco Grant, and I'm going to give you my starting five uh, of Wisconsin bodies of water. A couple lakes, uh, a river or two, you know, mix it in. I think there's a good variety. It's only bodies of water that I've been to, and I've been to most of them, you know, the, the big ones around the state. Obviously, I haven't been to them all, uh, but I'm going to give you my starting five, and it is my hope that we can continue this conversation on uh, Twitter at Wisco Grant on social media. Let's take a break. We'll come back in three minutes and wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, bodies of water. That sounds fun. Let's do that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show wraps up after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, Bill Michaels Huddle coming up here in about 10 minutes. I've been joining the Bill Michaels Huddle the last couple weeks. I, I don't want to toot our own horn here, but it's been a pretty electric show the last couple of weeks. Previewing Packers Giants, complaining about London last week. Also, I was today years old when I realized that Mike Clemens drives a Mustang. I don't know if Mike's going to be on the huddle tonight, but if he is, that's the first thing that we're addressing. And I know I'm not the host. I don't control the topics, but I'll just straight up tell Bill, hey, uh, Bill, I got to I got to I got to ask Mike about this because he posted a picture on Twitter today and Mike drives a Mustang. Uh, Okay, so we might have to discuss that on the huddle tonight. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Speaking of things that have been posted on social media, I tweeted a video on Monday. I was off. Ben Kenny was filling in. I tweeted a video from the shores of Lake Pepin. I'd never been to Lake Pepin before. I was driving back from up north. I was driving down the Minnesota side because I had to drop a buddy off in Hudson. Whatever, you don't care. But I was blown away. And it really made me take inventory of my favorite spots in Wisconsin, specifically uh, my favorite bodies of water. I'm a big body of water guy. I'm a Pisces. What, What can I say? I can't help it. That's sarcasm, by the way. I don't care about signs. But I did consider... Uh, and try to come up with my starting five of Wisconsin bodies of water. And I thought that would, if nothing else, be a really random uh, and funny way to end tonight's show. So let's get into it. These are only places that I've been to, okay? There's there's some that I'm sure I've, I'm missing. We can debate on Twitter, at Wisco Grand. At number five, give me Lake Grindstone. 
a.k.a. Grindstone Lake, outside of Hayward, Sawyer County, close proximity to a casino. Also, the Hayward Walmart is excellent. It's small, but it's excellent. It's a big boy, three miles long, two miles wide. It's a fantastic lake to stand next to. I guess I don't really have another way to explain it other than if you're at a cabin with your buddies, you're playing cards, it's the end of the night, you want to go outside, smoke a cigar, get some fresh air, walk down to the dock, just take it in. Crystal clear water. There's some musky in there, so good for musky fishermen. And the water just sits really well. Like, the lake just seems to sit the water there really. It fits well. So, five, give me Lake Grindstone. Number four, give me Lake Pepin. Was there on Monday for the first time? By God, what a thrill. Birthplace of Laura Ingalls Wilder, Pepin. Some people don't know that. And also, the birthplace of water skiing right there on Lake Pepin. I would love to water ski that lake. Only working lighthouse on the Mississippi River. Fascinating. Didn't know that until today. So at number four, give me Lake Pepin. Big old Lake Pepin. Naturally occurring, have you? Like Lake Onalaska, there's a little bit of a little levee, little spillway. Don't need it, Lake Pepin. Naturally occurring. Number three. This is more niche. Give me Tainer Lake. Red Cedar River, five miles north of Menominee. We have a nice little hub of listenership there. Dunn County. It's not the biggest. It's not the cleanest. But it's about the vibes. And the culture, like heat culture. The heat doesn't have the best talent. They're not the most athletic. They're not the best, but they have the culture. Tainer Lake has the culture that some other comparable lakes do not have. So number three, give me Tainer Lake. Number two, this is easy. The Boys Rule River, Douglas County, just north of Brule. Southwest or southeast of Superior by a couple big golf ball throws. 43 miles long, flowing north into Lake Superior, one of the few naturally occurring rivers in the world that flows north. Check it. Look it up. I don't know where to start talking about the Brule. Incredible wildlife, state forest, Calvin Coolidge summer home is there. I've been there. It's very cool. So number two is the boys' Brule. I want to make this abundantly clear before we get to number one. The gap between two and one is massive. It is a body of water in itself. Five through two, all combined, doesn't even begin to sniff number one, which is obviously Lake Superior. Leagues and fathoms above the rest. The Gichigumi as it is coined by poets and songwriters alike. It's the largest freshwater lake in the world by surface area. It's third by volume. It's not a system lake. It's not It's not a gimmick like, oh, it happens to be the deepest because of one. No, no, no. It's got width. It's got depth. It's got surface area. Holds 10% of all the world's surface freshwater. And it has a maximum depth of 222 fathoms or 1,333 feet uh, for those who aren't nautically inclined an elite body of water hall of famer first ballot a true lakes lake if you will lake superior so that's my starting five we can debate on twitter at wisco grant give me your starting five wisconsin bodies of water i'll take lake grindstone lake pepin tainer lake the boys brule river and lake superior and if lake superior is not your starting point guard if lake superior isn't your number one i'm not saying i'm gonna ignore your list but probably not going to take it very seriously. Lake Michigan is a great lake, so if just by the status of Great Lake, it makes it into your starting five, I I get it. It's just, as far as Great Lakes go, it's an average, it's a regular season Great Lake. Like, Superior is so far and away better than all of the other Great Lakes. Michigan's fine. Like, it's big. Like, I'm not going to hate you if you put it in your starting five as long as you recognize that it doesn't hold a candle to its uh, big brother up north in Lake Superior. So that's my starting five. We can embrace debate on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I hope, <laughs> I hope Ben Kenny and Bill are listening to this right now. They're like, oh my God, we got to follow this. Yeah, Bill Michaels Huddle coming up. 
a whole host of guests. Six to eight, we'll preview Packers Jets. Talk about what's going on with the Packers, who are three and two. A lot to say about Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, and Joe Barry, who is a nitwit and not a real football coach. So that's what's coming up next for the next two hours. I think I'm jumping on with Bill around seven, and maybe we can get to the bottom of the story of Mike Clemens, who drives a Mustang. Never knew. If you're not getting the huddle, I'll talk to you tomorrow night. Wisco Sports Show back tomorrow at four.